This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be this wonderful Sunday morning. Father's Day, happy Father's Day to all you fathers or a grandfather like me out there. Matter of fact, I had one of my grandkids sleeping over last night and uh, certainly keeps me on my toes. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We are here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to do whatever, ask, talk about whatever you want to talk about. And um, so just give us a call if you want to chime in. You can reach us at 877-385-8882. Once again, that's 877-385-8882. Or better yet, you want to join us here live on Zoom, you can go on to PetLifeRadio.com. You scroll down to Shows, click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there is a link left for you by our producer, Mark Winter, and you can click and join us on right now. As you know, typically what I do is I like to start the show by going the, through the news at the a American Animal Hospital Association News Stat or AVMA Smart Brief. But today, um, we have a very special guest, someone who I was intrigued. I actually never met in person because she lives in <laughs> Canada, but certainly on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's great for professional stuff. And right away when I saw what she does, I said, oh my God, this is a perfect guest for our show. And her name is Susanna Gartner, and she is an animal lawyer. So obviously her clients are not the animals themselves. They are the owners probably of the animals or whatever the type of case is. But um, how cool is that, that that actually specializing in animal law? And I was intrigued enough to reach out to Susanna. And sure enough, she agreed to be with us. Susanna, good morning. Good good morning. Good afternoon. You're you're in Ontario, right? You're in Toronto? I am in Ontario, yeah. I used to live in California, so I okay. do miss uh, a lot about California, but ha- happy to talk to you from Ontario, Canada. It is warm here, just in case anyone's wondering. Um, <laughs> we usually are. <laughs> uh, I, think I, I think I may have told you this, but um, two of my former associates were both Canucks, um, yes. and this, the most recent, Dr. Gale, actually went to Guelph, uh, oh, vet school wonderful. at Guelph. The other one, Kara, went to vet school um, in, uh, in Saskatoon uh, at Western University, Western College and um, in Saskatchewan. Anyway, so I was, you know, first of all, very intrigued. Anyone who oh, loves thank animals, you. clearly you have had in your life some bond to animals. Yes, yes. I've always loved animals. I started off as a volunteer in my teenage years, um, going to shelters, meeting homeless animals. And that's how the journey began in terms of building a career in uh, in pet law, animal law, and uh, advocating for animal rights, so I've so, always so, had a love for them. So you yes. are so you kind of never thought about maybe going into veterinary medicine, but you also wanted to become a lawyer. I didn't. I didn't. I come from a family of uh, doctors, <laughs> and so that probably would have been a natural progression. Um, but I love um, speaking and debating, and so this seemed like a more appropriate fit. And because I had learned early on what really happened in the animal shelters, I became interested in pursuing that vocation at an early age. But at the time, there were no animal lawyers. So yeah, so so it's been a journey. Uh, it was um, it was all it was always an uh, interest of mine. So I think, like you, like going into veterinary medicine, there needs to be a love and affection for for animals to begin with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so um, when you, where'd you go to law school, by the way? 
I went to law school in Windsor. So I did the, the dual, the interest in, they have a U.S. and can- Canadian program. So oh. Windsor, Ontario. Yep. So are you licensed also in the States in any of this, in California? I'm not at the moment. Uh, so I didn't work in California, but I mean, that's certainly uh, something to consider in the future if I was to move back. Well, I know that they, um, that, uh, you know, I'm, so my sister's a, a lawyer and a judge. My brother's an attorney, but he has not oh. practice. He's in uh, entertainment. So he's a producer now, but he did the legal thing at Fox. He was at Fox Legal. And oh, I do understand from many that the California yes. bar is one of the most difficult and there's very little reciprocity. When yes, it comes I've to heard the that. Bar Association. I have heard that, yeah. But so uh, I would tell you if you want to do it, study up. <laughs> so did you do regular law, law first or did you kind of finish just like directly helping and in going into animal law? Oh, yeah. No, no, not at all. So I started off in, uh, in corporate and business law and uh, just slowly evolved into animal law uh, by pursuing a master of law. So after law school, you can do a master's program. And I chose to do that in, uh, in mediation. So I'm also a mediator. I'd say even more than a, than a lawyer. So I pursued that and my professor was kind enough to allow me to write my thesis, my master of law thesis on animal law and how it relates to alternative dispute resolution processes. And since my passion was and always is uh, animal shelter, homelessness and the euthanasia rates trying to decrease them, I was able to write my thesis on that topic. And so after I finished that, I started to consider starting my own animal law practice. Uh, corporate law is wonderful. It brings, it brings in a lot of money, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And right. I do encourage people to really pursue their passions uh, because the switch over to animal law was a completely different feeling and um, drive for me anyways. You know, it's interesting you say that because I talk to kids all the time and I, I actually go back to my high school every oh, year. Cool. They have a phenomenal career day and I tell people that you know, it's great to find it, you know, so interesting when I talk about, you know, this class is divided girl to boys. And and now that like, like in the industry, there are more girls than boys. But I I said, because, okay, guys, here's the question. I'm going to ask first of all the women, if you had a choice between doing something that was your passion, you would love to do it every day or something that is going to make you a lot of money. Which would you choose? Uh, Typically, the girls go, passion, passion. The guys guys go, I want the money. I'll I'll buy a lot of animals. I just want the money. So it's very funny to see that. um, It is. It is. uh, So tell us about the types, because this is what I find interesting. I know that that, um, there is a a woman here in in Los Angeles who also does a lot of animal law. Her name is Jill Ryder. And um, so she does more like I get called in as an expert witness from her Mm. on mostly dog bite cases. Yes. And also some malpractice issues. Sure, um, sure. And uh, but you know, I hear that also animal lawyers are get involved in divorce cases. And, and yes, you know, what happens when, when poor, <laughs> poor, you know, poor Bowser is is being tugged between the or or if there are multiple pets in the household, and that we know that it's probably better for the pets to keep them together, but it, but the parents that are splitting want to have one or the other. So how do you, give us some kinds of cool cases that you've done and and how you break them down. Okay, yeah, no, so that is, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is my my expertise and interest area. And I do have the majority of um, clients that are involved in pet custody disputes. So for the most part, they're dogs, <laughs> they're dog parents. Um, we have, of course, cats. We even have horse, believe it or not, horse, mm-hmm. horse custody issues. Um, but for the most part, it, it deals with the issue of what happens to, I I say the word fluffy, Fido, when the couple decides to split up. Because 
as an animal lawyer and mediator, I take a unique uh, perspective and role in really considering the best interests of the animal in these situations. Um, as we know, unfortunately, the laws have not evolved to treat uh, companion animals in the same manner that we would like them to be. Uh, we, re- we regard them, as, I do, I mean, most of us lo- uh, animal lovers regard them as our family members, mm-hmm. furry friends, family members. But unfortunately, the laws have not evolved to that point. So the consideration that I always factor in is the best interest of the animal. And that, the good news for California, so all you California people out there, um, the, the, I feel and I think that most uh, lawyers would agree in this area that California really is at the forefront. In uh, divorce cases, uh, the best interest of the animal is being factored in. There's other states like Alaska that are doing the same. But unfortunately, in Canada, it's not at that point yet. So when I'm dealing with these cases, um, for example, I have a a couple, they split up um, and uh, they were together for a year and they have a dog. They don't have children. And that dog is their family. That is their child. Uh, They're a same-sex couple. I have people from all cultures, all backgrounds, um, diverse ages. And what I learn is that that dog is their family member. And when they are in a contentious relationship at the end, right? So they're trying to split Uh up. Then I really try to think about what's best for the dog and not necessarily what's best for them. But that being said, you have to to take into consideration the client's interest because the dog, of course, is my client. But the couple is, I have to work with them, right? The dog, right. unfortunately, doesn't have fluff. Fluffy doesn't have a say in this, really. So I try nor, to come nor, up with Nor access to the checkbook, but go ahead. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I have to factor in uh, the arrangements. Um, so I come up with um, custody arrangements in terms of sharing, custody and possession. And then some couples will do ownership agreements where they come to an agreement as to who is the rightful owner. Are they going to be co-owners? Because unfortunately, again, I go back to the principle of animals being treated as um, property in the laws. So I try to help them come up with an agreement so that they don't end up in the courts. That's my main goal, right? Absolutely. Now, you know, it's interesting also that one of the things that I deal with a lot are, as I said, dog bite cases. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, in California, the rules are pretty straightforward. Sometimes it's a bit unfortunate, but you know, if yeah. if one dog is on leash controlled and the other one is off leash, the dog off leash is a hundred percent responsible, regardless of the na- amount of damage or the type of damage. Interesting. If, the, if uh, both are off leash, again, regardless of the damage to either one or the other, each pet owner, pet parent, is responsible for their own dog. Oh, interesting. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah, that's great. If, if they are both on leash and yes. under control and they just happen to walk in and they start going at each other, one is a bigger dog that you know takes a big, much bigger chunk out of the smaller dog. Again, since they were both on leash with control, we've got to talk about this in a second, then sure. again, each one is responsible for their own. Now, yeah. except if there's an extended leash, because to oh. be very careful out there with flexi leads, not yes, that you know, yes. people like them, but I find them to be rather dangerous. So um, do I. Uh, and yep. and I and I think that you don't you think you have control, but you don't really have control because sometimes no, that dog is going to go so fast, whether it's to another yep. dog or sometimes he's in the street because it sees yes. another dog across the street. You think you're under control? No, 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 no. So no, no. I have concerns about that. How is it yes. in Canada? And what how do you how do you deal with it? Well, so in Canada, it's um it's somewhat similar. It might be more stringent in terms of the liability, so the liability mm-hmm. of the owner. So the dog biting parent, guardian, owner, 
that person would be liable for damages. Mm. Regardless of the situation, although it can be mitigated when we are retained and and dealing with the prosecution, so trying to come up with some kind of agreement, um, right. it is quite strict though in terms of liability, so that the dog owner is responsible for uh, damages that occurred to the they call them the victim of the other dog uh, who's right. been now, harmed, so- or if it's a person, or if it's against a person, then right. it becomes more yeah right. And now, if the dog was um, under control. And, you know, on a leash and the victim, whether it's another dog or owner, comes up to that dog on a leash, which, by the way, is what happened to my sister. Then what are the responsibilities? And, you know, in my sister's case, she had a dog that she's seen a lot walking her dogs. And she saw she was walking without her dogs. And she just bent down typically to to say hi. And yes. the dog jumped up and literally bit her on the nose. And she's oh. had a couple of plastic surgeries on the oh, nose. Oh, no. I'm so now sorry to thing, hear that. So oh. the thing is, the reason yeah. why I think there was some, the insurance companies got involved is that yep. the owner should have, t- it turned out that it had been known that this dog does not like to be approached head on in the face. Oh. And he didn't say, he did not warn my sister, but no, no, don't yeah. do that. I literally, yeah. oh. I, got, I got nailed on the hand. Yeah. Right there. It's it's a scar, okay. Oh, no. And I'm and this cute little Pomeranian kind of dog, and oh. I kneel down and I'm I'm petting it. It was a Pomeranian dog. That yes, was a dog. No, no, the one that bit my sister was a big dog. Oh, was, okay, yeah, because I was going to say that. Office. Oh, the same kind of thing. So yeah, uh, you know, look, I've been bitten a few times, and and yeah, it's part of, of the job. But sure, so I, sure. This, this is so funny. So I see this dog. I go in first. I say hi, and it's, it looks totally. You know, it didn't have any of the body positioning that this is. Yes a problem, right? That right, I, I right, should be right. aware. So I go down and I offer my hand to give a little, you know, pet under the chin and it sure. just nailed oh. me. Oh no. Go, and, the, oh. and the owner didn't say anything. Like, no, exactly. Any kind of way. Way. Right. It's worse. The uh. owner says, he goes, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, he's done that before. Well, oh, which no. way were you going to tell what? me? <laughs> oh my goodness. That's terrible. Yeah, I so, know. I mean, of course that sh- there should be liability and, yeah, and oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's responsibility of the owner, right? That's what people yeah. need to know is that right. dogs are, I mean, of course they're wonderful. They're lovely creatures. At the end of the day though, you are responsible for your dog and informing pedestrians, other people, other dog owners of the temperament and behavior of the dog, even though dogs then can be unpredictable, especially right, if they're absolutely. older dogs. Yeah, um, I want to go. We, we got to talk for a quick break, Susanna, but I want to sure. go and tell you also some other instances. I'm just very curious to hear your take. So uh, okay. don't go away. We'll be right back talking to okay. dog attorney Susanna Gardner <laughs> from Toronto, from Ontario. And uh, we'll be back after these short messages. Mojo would swallow things whole, a chicken carcass, a bird nest, and assorted stones and sticks. After surgery, Mojo had skin issues. He was constantly itching and scratching, chewing the hair right off of his legs. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. On the Dynavite, all of these symptoms disappear. Dynavite is nutrition. If you love your dog, you need to put him on Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And 
Welcome back here live with Dr. Jeff Gerber, along with our special guest, Susanna Gardner, an animal lawyer. And, um, you know, Susanna, just before the break, you had mentioned something that sort of, you know, got me uh, thinking. And I know that, that I've been involved in cases before where there seems to be a difference. As you mentioned something about you should know your dog. Yeah. If a dog bites somebody or another dog on, on mm-hmm. lease, under control, yes. the very first incident that, you know, so the owner did not know or had yes. any idea versus how much more difficult or harder a judge would be if the dog had a history. Of yes, yes. This kind of behavior. In other words, was the owner knowingly not yes. walking the dog with a muzzle on the dog or something that's right. so that their lack of responsibility on the owner's part? Yeah, no, that's definitely taken into consideration, uh, at least in Ontario, with, the, with respect to the laws. And that should be factored in. And people, your viewers, should, should be aware of that if it is the first incident on record. So if it's, if it's reported and uh, there is, of course, liability. However, it is mitigated and reduced if there is a first incident. So if there were no other previous attacks, there was nothing reported, then the judges tend to be more lenient in those types of situations. Right. Now, another case is, and I'm curious, and again, it differs per state as well here in the state. Sure, of um, course. And that is this. Um, so you have two dogs walking and, yep. you know, they seem too fr- friendly. And all of a sudden, uh, and this is often the case, a smaller dog becomes the instigator. And, mm. and tries to growl or bite up at the big dog who yeah. then retaliates and takes a big chunk and obviously does much more damage. Yes. But it was really started because the small dog. Yeah, so, it's instigated. And witnesses. So then what happens? Yep. Well, so that's taken into consideration, uh, the negligence of the owner, the situation. So the circumstances, quote unquote, of, of what happened, how the incident occurred. And that's when you get experts such as yourself. So experts that can come in and speak otherwise of the dog's past history, temperament. In our, like in our province and probably throughout North America, the experts are crucial in these cases because it's an expert such as yourself that can attest to the fact that the dog really isn't an aggressive dog. This was circumstantial, provoked, was provoked, for instance, by another dog. The smaller dog came up and, and or the dog was defending his or her property. I mean, I have cases such as those. So the right. mailman comes, comes, comes by uh, or another person's walking their dog and uh, a larger dog in his or her mind is, is guarding his territory, his property, but his, so to answer your question, yes, that should be factored in. Absolutely. And I would get experts involved. So the veterinarian, uh, dog trainer, dog behavior experts can all speak to the temperament and uh, past history of the dog. And that should certainly be factored into uh, these situations. Now, another question that it was near and dear to many of us a number of years ago, you you may have heard about this case or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to do with proving ownership. What does it take? For example, a young veterinarian, a client of hers, brought in a cat that okay. had no ID, no mm-hmm. microchip, nothing, that was very sick. And uh, just as a good Samaritan that many of us are, she yeah. sort of nursed this cat back to health, spent oh, wow. many, many weeks uh, on her own dime bringing this cat. And there was, you know, her staff and everybody posted how cute this cat was and how fantastic the doctor is, et cetera. And she just oh. opened up her new practice. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the intent would be, oh, my God, this is going to be great for her new practice. Okay. Yeah. Um, she that gets approached by an animal cat rescue group who mm. has been feeding these cats. Oh, I should add this. The veterinarian ended up adopting this cat and with okay. all the work she put into it. Yeah. All of a sudden, one day in the office, some lady comes in. Who oh. claims that that's my cat? Oh no! Like, well, because who's the lady? Was she part of the rescue? Or just... No, no, just it was a rescue. Oh. It was a cat rescue lady. Oh, fed, 
feeds a bunch of cats in a park. Okay. And this was one of the cats in the park. Okay. And she's claiming that it's her cat. Oh my goodness. No proof, no picture ever with her with a cat. Sure. And she got all her, and I, and I, I'm going to be say this very carefully. Sure. It's myself in between the between animal welfare and animal rights. Yeah. We would call the humaniacs came in and started picketing her office. Oh no. She wouldn't give up the cat to this lady after she spent hundreds and hundreds of her own dollars and time oh, rescuing yeah. and taking care of this cat of with course. no idea. There was no proof. And the sad news is why it hit the news. This poor young doctor who just opened her practice ended up taking her life. Whoa. What? No, I haven't heard of that, press. but I'm going to look into this case. <gasps> she ended up taking her life? I'm yes. so sorry to hear that. <gasps> yes. That's terrible. So at what point? Oh. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I feel so badly because she never didn't have enough experience to even yeah. know where to go. To, to right. even a, a go to an animal lawyer like yeah. yourself, this, yeah. this, well, this rescue group has no claim to this cat. Oh, no, it's a no. loose cat. You're feeding yeah. a cat that doesn't mean it's yours. And no, it's yours. Why didn't you have take it in to get a, to the vaccine to a vet? Exactly, a, exactly. Then you can have some proof that yes, I've been taking care of this cat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Out. I know you spent a lot of time, money. Let me pay you for it. There was nothing except she brought her cronies in, these uh, animals, bites, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Put this poor doctor up against the wall. And she oh my goodness! Bad press. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's why it's important to have more animal lawyers. Uh, so, I I shouldn't be one of the only ones, if I can just right. say bluntly. Uh, it's important, uh, and it's also important to understand that. Again, I go back to that principle of animals viewed as ownership. In the case law, determining ownership is what you just said, proof of ownership. So documentation, who is paying for the care of the animal. So in that case, the cat, the veterinarian would have had a strong case. I mean, from what I can hear, and ownership would be determined um, by, by that in itself by the fact that she she took care of the cat, took the cat in, uh, registration. So if she had registered the cat, paid for the expenses, then that would certainly be considered proof of ownership. And mm-hmm. with, with respect to animal, uh, as you said, I really like what you said, Jeff, uh, with respect to animal rights and animal welfare, that is a fine balancing act, you see. And that's why the laws are there to protect owners from situations such as this. Because I've had Similar situations. I mean, not not that kind of case uh, specifically, and that's a heartbreaking case. And totally I can't imagine, yeah, what that veterinarian went through. Um, but that's the fine line. Is and I don't like to word, use this word extremism, but with respect to ownership, it's that idea of who is taking care of the animal. Because at the end of the day, that is important. That cat depended on veterinary medicine, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So and and for this, for this lady to say that she was feeding it, well, clearly the condition the cat was in hardly yeah. is taking care of the cat. The cat was emaciated. It was clearly sick. And if it was in good shape and she was doing a good job caring for the cat, yeah. it wouldn't have ended up in this doctor's office needing the, the help that it needed. I mean, it was so disappointing for all of us to hear that is yeah that's that, disappointing that and how some of these groups that, that are like you said extremism taking it to the extreme to the point of hurting other people's lives without yeah. going through the process the right way is very frustrating and unfortunately yeah it, it is happens. it is and it's unfortunate because there's so many wonderful amazing rescues uh, i mean that i deal with and they're lovely human beings and Uh, I would just say that with respect to these types of situations, that's why the courts exist. That's why lawyers exist to help 
sort out these situations in a more civil, amicable manner if possible, or leave it to a judge's discretion to decide ownership rather than, uh, you know, picketing and trying to make someone's life uh, miserable, if I may, and um, causing a disturbance and even like that's a that's a horrible, horrible ending, obviously, oh, um, totally. to this case. Yeah. And I wonder what happened to the cat. Or? That I don't know, but yeah, all I know is yeah. it, was, it was big in the news because I we've yeah. talked about this on my show. But um, classically, um, in the medical profession, the highest suicide rates were dentists. And I've, last, I've read that actually. I but have. in the last few years, sadly, veterinarians. Veterinarians. Yeah. I, I have read that as well. And, yes, I, I, have. and I am like shocked yes. and all because I mean, look, I'm doing this in my 37th year, and I can't imagine anything better than this. And Aww, when, so when this, when this yeah. happens, I hear about these stories of young veterinarians. It's, mm. it's like, what, what did they not get? What did they not connect to? What, what did they not understand? How did they end up getting in the position where it was so yeah. dire? Yeah, yeah. Their, their solution. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I well, it would have been great if she got a lawyer involved, you see, because I mean, there's libel slander and you can't just go around picketing in front of vet clinics without expecting uh, some kind of repercussion, right? right. So oh, that's totally. important for veterinarians to know as well that, that there, again, I go back to the whole rights and, and legal obligations, um, but as well that these are businesses that need to be protected and, and reputations. So you leave it to the legal system to resolve and or you get, you get a lawyer, you get an attorney involved. So, you know, it's, it's so yeah. true. And I've, and I've been, I've had, a, you know, heard of a number of cases where mm-hmm. over the years where I say to myself, why didn't they call me? I would have, yeah. helped them because, you know, yeah. I, I would, I could turn a bad situation into uh-huh. a great situation. Yeah, so, and so can yeah. I, I'm the same way. Good. See, that's why we're getting along so well. Absolutely. <laughs> There's always like, a solution. I would, have, I would have had, this lady would have instead had people lining up around the corner oh, to come to her. Absolutely. But yeah, no, it's, it, they, she had to, she didn't know how to turn it around. It was very no, sad. That's very anyway, sad. Anyway, Susanna, that's thank you so much for joining thank us you. here. Thank you Our so much. We're going to have you, we're going to pre-plan so better. So we oh, have sure. you on camera. Yeah, yeah. And I'll do the camera. Yeah, I absolutely uh, would love to. So, yeah, we'll get you, <laughs> we'll get you better prepared. Not that it looks like you need it, but we will. And, um, <laughs> And then we'll um, we'll kind of go from there. Anyway, Sounds thank great. you again um, for all of you. If you have any questions about animal law, would you please send them to me at drjeff at petliferadio.com and I will pass them on to Susanna. And just to get a, uh, an input, just to get some advice, um, only because it's really important, as, as she said, um, Don't there, there are a lot of great instances where a lawyer would really help your case, whether it Absolutely. is a fight against the city fight against another uh, another owner because of a mishap between pets, uh, between a, a dog bite case, whatever it may be, um, there may be some solutions that you can't think of right now. And I think it, you could use the help. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, anyway. and I, and I do consultations uh, North America wide. I, I have, believe it or not, through my mediation practice, uh, clients from California, from all over the States as well. So I'd be happy to offer a consultation. Uh, I have Instagram, Susanna Gartner, LinkedIn, so they can message me as well uh, or through you either way and uh, be happy to help. I re- appreciate that so much. Thank you for Thank your you. time this morning and for all of your dads or granddads out there. Happy Father's Day. Yes, and, happy uh, Father's Day. Out. I got <laughs> a great card. Parents. Yeah, what? All the pet parents. All the pet parents. That, that's there. right. That's right. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're dad to a dad to a. In my house, I got nine pets. I, oh wow! So yeah, amazing. But anyway, so it was funny. I, I, I my my oldest daughter, I got me yeah. a card, and she's she's Aww. a mom of, of two of my grandkids. Aww. Anyway, so you open up. It says, "Somebody, I, Dad." After all these years, I finally found out. You know how how something about how my unique a girl like me is, and then you open it up, and it shows a twenty dollar bill going down a toilet bowl. 
Oh. <laughs> and then she Aww. puts down all the things over the years that she basically pissed my money away. So, oh, uh, that's calls. so funny. Well, I didn't, I didn't know you were granddad. Dad, you look so much younger. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you. No, I got, I got four grandkids already. Oh wow. So, Amazing. Uh, anyway, so um, all is good. Happy Father's Day, and um, we will be here next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Here, Pet Life Radios. Ask the vets with Dr. Jeff. 9 a.m. in the West. And if you have any questions. Uh, you can, as I said, reach me either again uh, at Dr. Jeff Werber on Facebook, Jeff Werber, all the ways. And always you can email me at drjeffpetliferadio.com. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.